to Cannon Fodder. This is the supplementary show to the 20-sided podcast all about world building and lore. This is an exercise in collaboration, improvisation, storytelling, where we build a world one piece at a time. And as you know from previous episodes, each episode features a guest who will determine which piece we are building by spinning the wheel of world building. Topics can be anything. Last week, we delved into wonders of the modern and ancient worlds. This week, who knows? It could be sports, superstitions, celebrity. We leave it all to the wheel. And whatever we come up with, no matter how crazy or absurd, will become canon within the Fractured Realms and within the 20-sided podcast itself. So basically, as I've said before, we have the fate of the world in our hands. But no pressure. It'll be fun. Today's guest, very good friend of mine, is a very funny guy. He's a writer for The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. He is a member of the sketch comedy group Lo-Fi, along with Kevin and Blythe, who you may remember from season one, which performs monthly in Brooklyn at Union Hall. He is also a founding member of my home D&D group, which is why he is a very special person to me. I am pleased to introduce Sage Boggs. How's it going, Sage? Hello. Thanks for having me. Good to see you. Of course. Of course. I hear you. Yeah. Audio medium doing this from where are you at right now? You're in Ohio, right? I'm in Ohio. I'm house sitting for my parents while they're away for a week and I'm just taking care of the cats. That's a great way to live. It's great. So we, we start you, I think the first time you ever played D and D was when you started our home game. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. So had you before playing D and D had you had an interest in it or had you had an interest interest in like fantasy or sci-fi kind of like what got you into that world? I've definitely always been interested in doing it, but it wasn't until the pandemic that I was like, I need, I need to finally lean in and do it. You know, my dad right. was always into D and D growing up. I think that's why I was kind of exposed to it because he, he used to have like all the old guidebooks and everything. And I was always mm-hmm. intrigued by them, but never actually did it myself, but I would go to war games with him. He's like an avid war gamer. Ooh, I mean, it's like, a lot like, of like, the, like the miniatures where it's like you take, you know, rulers and all that shit. Yes. Yeah, exactly. He has like thousands and thousands of miniatures that he paints himself and he takes all over the place to war game. And I used to like go to some of those events with him and, you know, absorb it all, but I never actually did it myself. Um, I mean, it is cool. That's really how, how D and D started was war games were, you know, you'd replay battles and you'd play as like massive armies and things. And then Gary Gygax and, uh, came along and were kind of like, what if you just played one person? (laughs) <laughs> and then it kind of like slowly got a little bit more fantastical until it became what D&D is today. That's awesome. Yeah, it feels like every time I come home, my dad has a new army that he's like talking about. He's like, yeah, now I have a Roman army that I'm doing. I'm like, how do you <laughs> how do you do this? Fucking love it. But I think Kevin must have cut for our group D&D. He was like, oh, do you want to do D&D? And I immediately was like, yes. <laughs> it felt like kismet. I was like, oh, my God, I've been wanting to do this. Yes, sign me up. It was great. And we got we got to play one game before the pandemic in person and then we played yeah. like 58 sessions on zoom before we got another in-person game yeah uh, which nice. was like it was crazy to see people like back in our apartment after you know a year and a half to play a game like it was actually for the first like 15 minutes it was kind of uncomfortable because we were so used to playing over zoom that all of a sudden yes. like i was looking in your guys's eyes and i was just like oh <laughs> they're not ready for this yet <laughs> yeah i'm not used to this it, it was so weird because it felt at least for me, our sessions kept me kind of sane throughout the pandemic, like the first year, year and a half. It was yeah, like same. this nice constant every week, which I felt bad for you because you're doing a lot of the heavy lifting. You like have a part time job doing this and I just have to show up and kind of have fun. But it was, oh, it was great. I needed it. Yeah, I needed it, too. It was, it's been great. You know, I think that's a great segue. Let's look at the wheel. 
Wheel of world building. The wheel of world building. There are a bunch of different things on there. Take a look before we okay. spin it. Is there anything that's jumping out at you uh, that if you'd I be read. kind of interested in talking about? Or maybe some things that you see and you're like, oh, God, I hope I don't land on that. Let me see. I see wild card a lot, which obviously sticks out. There's Food a couple wild cards in there where, that let you pick. <laughs> One just says idioms. <laughs> yeah, idioms. I, I can't wait for someone to land on idioms because like developing like a saying for a fictional world would be very fun. <laughs> One that's only like for that that world. Yeah. There's a lot of like interesting abstract names, but the ones I latch onto are the words I already know, like idioms, food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is there is uh, the, uh, the 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 divine wedge, which is all the names. Those are the names of like the nine major gods. The divine wedge. The divine wedge. We've yet to land on a god. Uh, <laughs> like a godly cheese. I don't know. I'm down for anything, really. All right. Uh, I think it's time. Let's go ahead and spin the wheel of world <laughs> building. <laughs> go and click right. that wheel. I'm clicking it. Oh my gosh! Here we go. Click, 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 click. click. The Meyerwood Forest. The Meyerwood Forest. All right. So this is going to be the first like location that we've actually dealt with. I immediately thought of Winnie the Pooh, but that's the Sherwood Forest, correct? That is. No, that's the Hundred Acre Woods. Sherwood Forest is Robin Hood. Wait. Oh, Robin Hood. Right. Oh, my gosh. I, I do love the idea. <laughs> no, no of, it's Winnie the Pooh. I'm gonna, I do love I'm the idea of that. Winnie the Pooh in <laughs> Sherwood Forest, like with Robin Hood. Just getting He's fucked just up. Just stealing honey. <laughs> So in, in previous episodes, we've kind of done a little bit more granular things. So it's been, you know, fashion. It's been wonders of the world. It's been stuff like that. This okay. is going to be a little bit more broad. So we're going to be developing an area. Okay. So I'll tell you what I have developed because I've kind of developed this world as a like a hollow mountain. There's very rough guidelines. And then we're going to kind of throughout this podcast, slowly fill in the details. Okay. The main details of the, of the world. There are three major continents that were it was originally like one massive continent broken up into three by a war of like great titans. The three continents are Seruya, which is like a flooded continent, very Mediterranean. There is Azore, which is a very like mountainous air-based continent. And then there is Veradun, which is where the Meyerwood Forest is located. And Veradun has two kind of main areas. There's the Meyerwood Forest, which is kind of a massive forest of, you know, myth and magic and fae and fairies and things like that. Or okay. maybe not. I mean, we'll kind of decide that together. And Great. there is the uh, relinquished territory, which you might be familiar with because the only settlement in the relinquished territory is the city of Vena, which is something I brought over from our home game, which is where oh your, my character, your character August from. Yes, that's incredible. Yeah, so it's, so it's fun. So the Meyerwood Forest is a continent-wide almost forest. One like little bit of backstory you should maybe know is during this war of the three titans, each of the titans kind of claimed a continent and waged war against the others. During that time, there were what was called the three desecrations. Each of the titans kind of like destroyed the land or like sundered it to their will so that it became a better habitat for them and also was worse for the other two. And Kiliana, who was the titan of Veridun, did this by creating the relinquished territory. So what was a fully forested continent uh, she desiccated a large portion of the land, kind of like surrounding the forest, uh, to make a desert that was difficult to pass. So okay. this this forest is kind of surrounded by desert by design. Okay. 
So I'm trying to think where we should start with something as big as the Meyerwood Forest. I guess let's start. What is the general kind of uh, vibe of the Meyerwood? Is it a spooky, creepy place? Is it a hundred acre woods, like blissful place? <laughs> is it more, is it more fiendish or is it more fey? Interesting. Um, I mean, so I just watched this movie that's all about a forest. I think it was called The Ritual. Do you know this movie? I don't. It's about like these four bros who go on a hiking trip in Sweden, I think. And then they like take a shortcut through a forest and it's just, you know, the creepiest forest you've ever been in. Mm-hmm. So my mind immediately goes to like creepy forest. Also in Lord of the Rings, is it Fangorn is the main forest? E- my Lord of I the th- Rings lore is bad. I it think sounds that's right. Let's just assume it's right. Um, I got the Winnie the Pooh thing right, so that must be right. Um, and that's also kind of creepy, very woodsy. Obviously, it's a forest. I almost want to go in the opposite direction and make it like a nice forest. Okay. So it's kind I feel of... Like I, I, no, no, go ahead. I was going to say, I haven't been exposed to too many just like pleasant forests in the books I've read or the movies I've seen. So I'm going to try to defy expectations and go to like a nice forest. Okay. I guess on a like granular level of forest, is this a, cause it is a continent wide forest and it does kind of stretch from like South to North. It kind of goes through the equator. Is it more like deciduous or is it more coniferous? So is it more evergreen trees that are kind of, you know, like I, I think of like the pine barrens episode of Sopranos, which is the only episode of the Sopranos I've seen where it's just, you know, rows of evergreen yeah. trees versus forests that have a, that follow seasons essentially. Right. So is this kind of a static place or is there a, a cyclical nature to it? I'm going to say it's cyclical. It's definitely seasonal. Um, so you get a different forest depending on the time of year you're in it. Okay. But when you said deciduous and coniferous, I was like, oh no, I, I don't remember <laughs> what those things mean. Um, so I'm I haven't used those words those. since fourth grade when I learned them. I had a vivid <laughs> flashback to like flashcards of me learning what those things meant. <laughs> so I have said in this podcast before when we were talking about the Meyerwood that it is largely home to like kind of like classic elves and uh, halflings and things like that. But that is something that I've created and I want this world to be created by my guests. So Mm -hmm. we can kind of choose together. So who are the denizens of this forest? Like who kind of in general, it can be a cosmopolitan place, but if you had to describe it in general, who's living here? Who is living here? I've also read the Inheritance books. Have we sure. talked about that at all? The, the Paolini books? Christopher Paolini, yeah. Yeah. And there he was a, like 12 when he wrote them. <laughs> yes. And I was always like extremely jealous. I was like, I should write. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Fantasy. Me too. Um, they were good. They I don't think were I ever finished good. them though. I think I read the first three. I don't think I ever read the fourth one. I'm, I'm in my childhood bedroom right now and I can see the books from where I'm sitting because I used to love them. But what was it? It was Aragon, Eldest, Brissinger, and then Inheritance was the fourth one. Yeah. And I only, I'm thinking of them right now because on the northern side of the map in those books, there's a giant forest and the people that live there are elves. It's like elves do immediately come to mind for forests for me. Elves are like the classical choice, which doesn't make them bad. Like you have to have some kind of like archetypes in a world. Right. But I want to defy expectations again. I don't want it to be elves. I think I want it to be. I mean, when we think, but we could like keep with the race of elves and then just fuck with who el- like our connotation of elves. Cause like we normally think of elves as like, you know, these high class, you know, <laughs> just beautiful <hot>. people, <laughs> yeah. you know, hot and live for, I mean, these could also <laughs> like be lovely elves. Uh, well, what, well, actually what, what I'm thinking of is there's a great D and D podcast called not another D and D podcast 
that's huge. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to Nad Pod. It's fantastic. Uh, but go. one of the characters in the first season is a Crick elf who's like like redneck elf. <laughs> that's perfect, uh, yeah. Which is very fun. Uh, so it's you still have the archetype of elves in the woods and stuff, but it's turned on its head. What I want to do, I think, is I want to make, I think typically elves are a little bit cold, right? They're like, we're elves. We're kind of better than you. We're very wise. We're very old and immortal or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like my perception of elves is like, they're kind of like cold. Yeah. I want these elves to be like Keebler level elves where they're like so happy, so nice. Like I'm still thinking about Winnie the Pooh where it's just like, oh bother. Just like such nice (laughs) elves that it gets so, they're so nice and welcoming that it's like annoying. Like you get to the forest and you're like, oh my God, these elves are like (laughs) overbearingly nice. Too hospitable. So fake. Yeah. That's what I want these elves to be. So this society, rather than like elves are normally considered, you know, a like high intelligence society. Would this rather be like a high charisma society? Like they're just very likable and friendly. Yes. Yes. I like that. Yeah. They're so friendly. There's like people in my life that are so nice that you're like, what's the catch? I think that's where they're all like functioning. (laughs) Like, why are they so nice? So, you know, kind of going into that area a little bit then. So there's, there's, you know, this large civilization of elves and we'll kind of talk a little bit more about what that structure looks like, but is there a, is it a society that is like very nice and like bubbly on the face, but some of that is kind of like hiding daggers behind it? Or is this a civilization that is genuinely very nice and bubbly and happy and, and helpful? I think these elves are genuinely very nice and very helpful. And there is no CD underbelly to these elves, but anyone that like deals with them assumes that there is cause they're so nice. Okay. They're always, they're always looking for the catch, but they never find it. And that kind of drives them insane. So it is kind of this like weird Garden of Eden type area. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, the perfect force. It's so nice and perfect that you're like, I need to get out of here. This is like weird. So, OK, so we've got these this very lovely area of elves. And this does stretch across a continent or like a large. <laughs> Inside, how continent. big of a continent are we talking? Is this like the size of Africa? How big is this forest? It's a big continent. I would say, yeah. Africa, South America size. I know those are wildly different sizes, <laughs> uh, but, but on the Mercator map, they're similar. <laughs> um, and that's what we were enormous. taught. Say kind of South America size, maybe a bit smaller. So it's big, enormous. But, this is but, a, but a okay. good, but a good like half of that is the relinquished territory. So kind of like surrounding. There's like a center of this like beautiful forest, and then surrounding that is the relinquished territory, like the desert. So basically, right. there is a insane like a country size oasis inside this desert. Okay, gotcha. Which I think would mean this is a like fairly insular community. Cause like to get there, you have to go through this kind of like treacherous no man's land. Right. Then I wonder if the people that voyage into this forest are the ones that kind of corrode this culture. <laughs> like they haven't had any access to outside culture. So any hint of meanness that they're like exposed to would totally just like corrode their society. Okay. Now it's getting very colonial. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh geez. Um, well, okay, but let's go for this. So we kind of have this very nice civilization of largely elves. Let's create a few locations within this area. So we have the Myrwood okay. Forest. It's this seasonal forest. What is the biggest location? So like, what is the New York City? It could be a city. It could be a, a collection of cities. Like, what is a, when you say the Myrwood Forest, what is the first like location that pops into your mind? 
I want there to be one like ungodly, just a giant pine tree that is like, oh yeah, the that fucking okay. pine tree. It's like so big. And, and that would be a coniferous tree. So that is, that is a, like an evergreen tree. I, there's a chance I got those wrong, but I'm going to roll the dice. <laughs> <laughs> we have no idea. You could say anything. I'd be like, yeah, that's right. The tree. Yeah. But, but, but that's interesting because all the trees around it would be cyclical. And there's one tree that is just permanent that does not lose its leaf. That is just. I love forever. that. Yes. It's like and that's why it's such a big deal. Cause it's like, oh my God, the tree never dies. It's always there. And it's like redwood size. It's just like fucking huge. It's huge, even bigger than Redwood, like so big. Like if you were in a plane going over, you'd have to swerve around it. It is an enormous tree. (laughs) (laughs) Just blinking lights on top, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like these elves would almost worship it in a way because they'd be like, why is it like this? Why is it an immortal tree? So that's like the place to go. You got to go see the giant tree when you're in the forest. What do they call the tree? What is the, it could either be the actual name of the tree. It could be the species name of the tree. It could be the colloquial name of the tree, or it could be like a, formal name of the tree all right they call it big papa (laughs) big papa love it yep and then where is big papa is that like right in the center of the the forest or is it like closer to the sides or anything essentially is it a is it a journey to find it yes i'm i'm a sucker for symmetry i'm gonna say it's smack dab in the middle you have to journey through the forest to get to this place and is there anything special about the tree like does it provide any kind of like magic or is it is it worshipped in any specific way and does is there a outcome of that worship like if you worship the tree do you gain magical abilities can you like call upon big papa as your patron to like grant you magics what is special about the tree other than it just being large and eternal that would be nice if it gave you some sort of powers but now my mind is immediately like I'm thinking of New York and how Times Square is like the place to go if you're not from New York but then mm-hmm. when you go to New York if you live there, that's immediately like the worst place to go. Yeah. So maybe it's just like tourist traps. I want it to be a tourist trap. I want it to absolutely be a tourist trap that these elves, maybe that's the underbelly of these elves. They're all just trying to get you to their tourist traps to make money. I like that kind of like just a civilization of, or maybe not a civil, but like a certain portion of the Mayawood forest is just built on, just built on, um, Travel tourism. It's just built on tourism. <laughs> built on tourism. I don't know how I lost the word tourism after we said it four times. But it, yeah, I like the idea. There's just like this one section that is just fully built on tourism and like bringing people in, especially in like a charisma based society where everyone's like nice and friendly. You're right. Like it makes sense that that is kind of the way they make currency. I like that a lot. Yeah. And then there is kind of a catch to their niceties where it's like, Oh my God, welcome to the forest. We love having you in the forest. We're all so nice. You got to go to big Papa. We worship it. It's like so incredible. And, and would you mind you get making there, a donation to big Papa? I mean, just help us preserve the, you know, the tree in the community and stuff. Right. Which I think people would, if they heard its story, they're like, Oh, that's so nice. But then when you get there, it's like, <laughs> there's like a Ripley's believe it or not attached to it. And like <laughs> just the worst <laughs> times square bullshit, <laughs> like an M M&M and M store, not those things, but like, equivalent in this yeah, 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 yeah i love it so we've kind of developed the shitty Times square area of the myrwood forest that's right in yeah. the center big papa this formerly beautiful tree has now been like co-opted by tourism and things they've like hung neon signs on it there's like you know crazy <laughs> lights that illuminate it at all hours of the night let's talk about other so we have like kind of a very nice elven civilization very I guess let's let's go big scale and then let's kind of go back into a few granular things. So the the Myrwood Forest and the people of it are members of the Twilight Assembly. 
the only like few people who are not members of the Twilight Assembly, this kind of like UN of the world, are the orcs of Vena and those who live in the Wandering Miasma, uh, which is across the, the Liminal Sea. Okay. What kind of government kind of exists within the Mirewood Forest? Is it a very, is there like a centralized democracy? Is there a monarchy? Is it just a bunch of like small tribes or communities of people that are just kind of a bit disparate? What is the kind of vibe overall uh, when it comes to governance? Man, I hate to say it, but this Times Square kind of kind of points me towards just like evil capitalist society. They're all about just making that money. Gross. The more you, the more you talk about it, the the further we get from uh, these beautiful, nice elves. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, it, even I'm not convinced there can't. There has to be a catch. <laughs> it all all I can see in my mind is just like a smiling face with dead eyes that just like you keep seeing it smile for a long long enough time, and you realize like, wait a minute, what is that? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> And I'm also thinking of the Keebler elves. I feel like they're fun in commercials and their cookies are nice. But if you spent more than a week with them, you'd want to burn the fucking tree down. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's just me. That's a personal thing. But I guess it would kind of be capitalist. But once you get to the force, you meet them. You think it's just like a perfect little utopia where there isn't there barely is a government. It's almost just like everyone gets along and does their own thing. And we don't have mayors. We just like (laughs) know what to do. And we work together to make it happen. But then you get to the middle and you're like, oh, it all runs on this kind of gross capitalist society that we we lure people into our tourist traps and then survive that way. So I don't know what that would technically be called economy wise. Economy wise, I guess it'd be like a capitalist economy and some kind of. I think it'd be trickle down. It'd be like the essence of trickle down economics, (laughs) like everything comes from the middle of this forest and trickles down to everyone else in the forest. So they have to be so nice all the time to to get people to go to this tourist trap to make their money. Oh, okay. So then it's like the entire economy is based on one tourist trap. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, that's correct, Ryan. (laughs) Okay. I I, I do like the idea that that everything else outside of this like main area, which has been like built up and built up and built up, is like subsistence and relies on essentially one good. I I mean, it's the same thing as like a mining town being dependent on ore in the mine. And everything else yeah. is built around it. This is just, rather than it being a you know commodity, it is a tourist trap. Yeah. Out of necessity. That's why these elves are so nice all the time. They have to be. That's fun. They have to convince you to go to their like number one spot. Okay, so then I got to think, in a community, just because I'm thinking as a New Yorker, mm-hmm. in a community that is so dependent on tourism and like people coming and like having a good time, there is a a certain level of hatred that every New Yorker has towards <laughs> tourists. Yes. Yeah. It, like they want people to come in, but they don't like the people that come in. I think that they are, they're unlike New Yorkers in the, like New Yorkers hate tourists. They hate everything touristy, but these elves, since they were born, they've just like, they've grown up in the, the industry. They like, they understand that they need it. They worship this industry. Their whole lives, they're like prepped and they're just raised to like function within it, I think. Okay. So the difference between them and New Yorkers, New Yorkers are, you know, they're jaded and they're like, fuck you. This is our, this is our fucking city type vibes. These elves are the opposite. They don't have that lobe in their brain. They don't despise the people that come here. They like depend on them and really lean into kind of like winning them over and wanting them there. Okay. Does that make so sense? This, yeah, yeah. So this is like a very customer driven country. But like, like customer satisfaction is the currency, essentially. 
Yes. And that's, those are the kind of people sometimes that you, you talk to in stores or whatever, like people that are helping you in a store where they're so nice to you and you know, it's like their job too, but you kind of want to take them aside and be like, you don't have to do this. We can just talk like people, you know, like you don't just need talk to, regularly. I'm a piece of shit. Like we can just talk, <laughs> but I think all these elves have that kind of vibe where it's like, hello, how can I help you? It's so nice to meet you. Oh my gosh, you have to do this and this and oh my gosh, we love you. So I could, like, I'm just kind of thinking uh, ahead of like stories that could come from this. And I kind of see two types of stories and one is something bad happens to the tree or like, you know, it's either find out who did something bad to the tree or prevent something bad happening to the tree to protect the economy. Right. Which is very avatar. Now that I think about it, isn't that what happens in avatar? I feel like I saw the movie. 10 yeah. Years they've got ago. a giant tree. You did. See it <laughs> and it's years. like very important to them. And they're, they're finally coming out with a second one that no one asked for. <laughs> yeah, They're coming out with like 10 more that no one asked for. Yeah. It's insane. And the second type of story I immediately see is people no longer like this, this structure that they've built around the economy no longer being satisfying to the people and like people trying to find a new thing. Yeah. Cause it's just not necessarily sustainable. There's only so many people that can go to Disneyland. Right. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what, what would break them. I mean, if the tree were destroyed, all their lives are ruined, but if they just have an epiphany that this kind of suck, that their lives suck. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what they would do. How would they, what would they do? How would they distill their money now? If suddenly all the elves were like, oh, we're actually tired of tourists. I don't know. What will, yeah, what would they do? I also really see this as like, this does feel like a horror movie in a sense in that it like you come, you know, you go away to the relaxing vacation. Everyone's super nice to you, but this thing, like something keeps happening, but this thing, keep, and you just slowly realize that like you've been surrounded by these people who are pampering you and helping you in every way, but they're actually literally like, you know, picking your pockets of different things. And maybe something more sinister behind that. Maybe that's what we need to do. We need to make these elves more sinister. I, I jumped out of the gate being like, they're nice and that's it. Maybe they're evil. Now that they're, they're a capitalist tourist run society, I think, that, I think they're a little evil. I think, I think I want to, only because I don't want to have a like entire continent be evil. So I want to yeah. kind of like suction down some of this to maybe like this center area around Big Papa. And like, that's the, essentially the New York city. There is like a city within the Meyerwood forest that is, that has become this hyper consumer, hyper tourism driven, uh, area. What yeah. let's give a name to that area. So there's like, there's the circle of the, of the Meyerwood forest. And there's this inner ring of this city that surrounds big Papa. What is the name of that region? Great question. It is called man possibilities are endless what this could be called i want to make it something difficult to pronounce <laughs> like a lot of x's and y's and z's in there so um gonna be called <laughs> i'm gonna write this down this is this is what i get for inviting comedians onto my show because <laughs> because you all, all you have to do is pronounce this once and then i've got to say it every time in the future I'm so sorry yeah, what's that? Or I want to make it like a, a Bart Simpson joke where it's like Mike crotch or something that you have to say every time and it's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which way do I want to go? Okay, this is how you're going to have to spell this. You know the word zizigy? Isn't it like the last word in the dictionary? It has, it has like vibes of that word. It's okay. spelled X-Y-Y-X-Y-Y-Z. X-Y-Y-X-Y-Y-Z. So I think it's zizizh. Zizizh? I think that's kind of what it is. So the, the, the region is called zizizh. Yep, that's right. Love it. 
X, Y, Y, X, Y, Y, Z. Is there like a, an apostrophe in the middle of those or like a hyphen or an M dash, or is it just X, Y, Y, X, Y, Y, Z? It is all caps, but it is, there's nothing in between the letters. It's all caps whenever you spell it. (laughs) Um, But actually these elves, they say Z instead of Z. So it's actually X, Y, Y, X, Y, Y, Z. Gotcha. Because they are generally English in their, in their pronunciation. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And they're nice like Canadians. Uh, Very fun. Kind of getting away from this area, just looking at the Meyerwood Forest in general. Yeah. What is something that you find in the Meyerwood Forest that you don't find anywhere else? This could be flora, fauna. This could be an animal or a beast or a creature. This could be a type of magic. This could be like a type of mineral or something. What is something that is only found in the Meyerwood? So this is interesting. When you go to the Meyerwood Forest and you take the sap out of the trees, it is like pure liquor. It is like alcoholic sap. (laughs) (laughs) Very high percentage alcohol. I fucking love that. So like all the trees everywhere just tapped, tap, 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 tap. Yes. Yeah. That's great. What? And um, they have, they have like tap rooms in the forest and it's like, eh, it's a pun. It's a pun that just everyone makes. The first time people hear it, like, oh, that's so funny. And then they realize everyone does the same pun. Yeah, yeah. They're like, that's a sappy pun. Oh, I did it again. Oh, here we go. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, what, what, once you distill down this, this sap, yeah. what, do you, what, what, what is that drink called? Oh, good question. Um, everyone knows what it's called. It's called, um, it is called, I got to think of something good. This is the drink. This is like beer in Germany. This is like sake in Japan. This is like the thing. Yeah. Um, Whiskey in Ireland. Wine in France. It's called. Man, I'm tempted to make it like a pop culture thing. Like it's called Shaka Khan, but that's kind of stupid. <laughs> um, I'm going to say it's called. It's called. No, I can't say that. <laughs> what if for an hour I was just sitting here trying to think of a name? It is called. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Quark Juice. Quark juice. Quark juice. Like Q-U-A-R-K. Quark juice. Oh, like quark. Quark juice, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, why? That is a fantastic question, Brian. <laughs> Thank you so much for asking that. Um, <laughs> it's called quark juice because I looked up at a cork board and I was like, cork isn't funny, but quark is a little funny. Um, what's the scientific thing with quarks? They can jump from one kind of thing to the next, right? That's uh, like they're holding, that's their deal. Uh, quarks are, are two, you can have like up quarks and down quarks. They're like a subatomic particle. They're like inside right. of an electron or inside a proton. Right. But don't they like jump from different levels? Oh, I, yeah. I think they are quantized. I think they have like uh, certain energy levels they can go to. Right. Quantized. That's the word. So the, the reason they're called quarks is because when you drink this sap, you jump from the sober level immediately to like drunk level. Like you can go up a number of levels the more oh, you drink. Oh, I, I do like that. There, there is no, it's not a sliding scale. It's not like everyone has a tolerance. It's you drink, there's one drink, you are immediately X amount drunk. Yeah, you're the next level. Y amount drunk. Yeah. That's very funny. There's, there's no such thing in this world as like a good drinker. It's just, are you a one drink person or a two drink person? Like that's yeah. it. That's great. Is there anything else before we move on to our lightning round section? Is there anything else you want to add about the Meyerwood Forest? Uh, that you want to be in the world? Because this is like a large portion of the world that will probably be expanded on in later episodes. Is there anything else you want to make canon now while you have the pen in your hand? Oh my gosh. I mean, so much power. Um, all right, so the trees make you drunk. Check. 
<laughs> one of the trees is really fucking big. Check. Um, <laughs> it's hard to pronounce check. What else? I want there to be some sort of creature. I'm going to go back to the Winnie the Pooh thing. Okay. And just like work off of that mistake. I, I want there to be these like derpy bears in this forest. That's like the, the creature of the forest. And they're just like so kind of dumb. I don't want to say Winnie the Pooh's dumb. I don't want to get canceled for saying that. Um, but you better not say Winnie the Pooh's dumb. Don't edit that out. Oh my God. Dumb, the no. Winnie the Pooh heads are going to kill me if they hear that. I think. Yeah, there's all these like Winnie the Pooh-esque bears that will not hurt you. They're not like a normal bear. They're just kind of like always looking around for that sap to kind of get drunk on and like stumble around and have fun in the forest. This just feels like an alcoholic version of a koala. Like rather than getting high (laughs) off eucalyptus, they're just like poking holes into trees and like drinking the sap. (laughs) Yeah, perfect. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, there's big oafish bears that love to drink the sap and kind of stumble around. What are they... uh, what do they look like? I, I'm going to say they look like pretty similar to Winnie the Pooh, but they don't. They, <laughs> they're like, they they're don't. like roughly yellow with like red splotches around their chest. <laughs> with only a shirt. Um, isn't that what he's like? He has a shirt, no pants. Yeah, he just, he's, just, he's Pooh Bear in it. <laughs> no, they can't have T-shirts on. But but they could, um, they could have like a, like coloring that is like red. Like they could have essentially like gold and fur and then like have like a reddish, you know, chest. Right. Uh, or should they be the opposite? Should they be like the opposite of Winnie where it's like they only have pants and no shirt? <laughs> <laughs> They're all wearing denim pants. Um, this is how comedy happens. You you go for a joke and then you try to invert the joke until it's unrecognizable. <laughs> <laughs> until it doesn't work. Um, Anyone looking for a career in comedy, just keep making the joke until it doesn't work. Take one step back and that's the joke. <laughs> that's it, man. It worked no they don't have clothes these bears maybe what you said they're well i don't want to get too close to winnie the pooh i'm so indecisive i'm sorry that's okay there's a lot of power this is a, I, I wield so much power right now and it's a little uncomfortable while you think about that what what are these bears called oh thank you for asking um they're called <laughs> <laughs> well okay so it's called cork juice and that's like their whole deal they like love it juice they're called juice heads they're called juice heads. They're called juice heads. They like because they thrive off juice. It's like ant eater. Like whoever named them just went for it. <laughs> you know, I was I was gonna be like, all right, let, but what's their Latin name? But you're absolutely right. It's like I, I remember reading a post about like world building in general, and it was don't be afraid to name your cities insane things because there is like a Christmas Illinois, there is a <laughs> you know Queef. Michigan or something like there are <laughs> insane like a fuck Missouri. names. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so juice yeah, heads. they're juice heads and th- they look like Winnie the Pooh and they, the same color fur as him just all over. That's just their color. kind of like that light Brown. Mm-hmm. They have two little tiny black eyes. I think that's what Winnie the Pooh has. Yeah. And they're just constantly uh, drinking this juice. Just like rolling around. I feel like they only kind of like roll around. They don't walk really. <laughs> they just kind of like <laughs> somersault to their next tree. I gotta so you have to watch. I think you have to watch out for them. I, I gotta think that they're not a, they're not a danger. Like they're not going to attack you necessarily. Like they could, but they wouldn't really. But the, their danger is that they're a nuisance because they drink all the sap. Yeah. Like there's well, all these they, people who are trying to like brew. Like there's this whole brewery <laughs> culture of making cork <laughs> uh, juice. Yeah. And they they just keep tapping trees and it's empty. And they look up and there's you know one of these juice heads. They go, oh, oh bother, God, damn it. <laughs> There's a nuisance. And that's what yeah, they say. And anytime you see a juice head, you just go, oh, bother. 
That's perfect. I think they're also they could also be a danger just out of act like accidentally. Like they're rolling around. They could technically like accidentally sit on someone and crush them if they're like a tiny creature. You know, like they're just so stupid they and just, kind of out of their mind that they just they're a danger in that just way. Fall out of the tree. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like a panda. Yeah. I almost think like this is how this is how idioms get started. Is like you know Ooh. always like look up in the sky, like look out for the juice heads or like heads up for juice or yes. you know beware the dripping juice or something like that because it means there's ones about to fall on you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. We'll, we'll workshop that in a later episode. When you land on idioms, yeah. Anything else you want to add? I, there's, I could add for days, but oh, I, I, at some point I should probably stop. You want to move on to lightning round? Yes, let's do it. All right, we have two segments on the show. We've done the Wheel of World Building. We're now moving on to the lightning round. Do you add echo to that? You have to. Oh, yeah, right? I add echo. I've got like this whole charge up thing. goes. Pew, pew, pew. Yeah. <laughs> it's like 10 minutes long of that. Half of the podcast is just the sound effects I add in. <laughs> and I, I don't want people to like not be able to focus on the sound effects because I'm talking. Why would I layer those two? <laughs> I just want them to hear my sound design. The last segment, the, the Wheel of World Building, is locked into canon. These are things that now exist in the world. That's what the world is. This next section is a little more mercurial, a little more ephemeral. Uh, you'll kind of see what I mean. First question, what is a rumor that is currently going around the Meyerwood Forest. This could be something that is true, something that is false, something that has been exaggerated, something that has been downplayed. What's something that people are hearing around the Meyerwood Forest? Um, there's a quicksand outbreak. The forest is just full of quicksand now. Be careful. Oh, I love it. Especially with, like, it's surrounded <laughs> the by the desert. desert. <laughs> and also, I just love anything that lets me live my childhood dream of, you know, having to deal with quicksand. <laughs> I, I remember so specifically like watching an episode of Johnny quest where, which I truly don't remember anything about Johnny quest except for one episode had quicksand. I was like, Oh my God, quicksand's everywhere. I had the same thing. I think maybe in Aladdin there's like quicksand. Maybe I'm, I'm conflating that just cause it's in the desert, but I, I was also afraid of quicksand as a child for sure. Right. It was that, it, I mean, this is, this goes around the internet all the time, but it's like quick, we thought quicksand would be more of a problem and catching on fire. Like we thought stop, drop and roll was like really good information to have. Turns out, yes, you could, you probably would have guessed it if you didn't learn it. <laughs> yeah, you just naturally know how to get rid of that fire. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely thought as a kid, there, at some point in my life, I will be on fire. I'll have to deal with that. I also thought I was definitely going to get kidnapped. Sure, you got to know yeah. how to like punch out the tail light, like wave your hand. <laughs> yeah, great. That's a rumor going around. A second question: What is the name of a person in the Meyerwood Forest, and what is the most interesting thing about them? This could be an important person. This could be a random person. This could be an owner of a shop. And the thing about them could be a feature, a characteristic, uh, a scar, or like an occupation. Okay, so there's this guy named Squeeze. <laughs> That's his name. And his, the interesting thing about Squeeze, oh, where to start? He, I mean, the main thing, he's like a ranger. Okay. In the continental-sized forest. <laughs> and he is the only ranger. <laughs> So if you, <laughs> you mean want- he's like a park ranger, <laughs> yes, like he's not the D and D class ranger. He is a park ranger with like, oh yes, with the hat and the shorts, exactly like Smokey the Bear fit. Yeah, and he's <laughs> he is exhausted constantly because he has to go. <laughs> he has to go around this forest answering questions about it, and he's the only person employed as like a park ranger. Oh my god, I love Squeeze so much. <laughs> What is, just because I want to know more about Squeeze, what is sure. like one 
characteristic or trait of like him? Uh, like he's exhausted. He's the one guy. What is the thing that he is like constantly doing? What is Squeeze? Oh, what is he doing? Well, his name, the reason he got his name, Squeeze. Why did he get that name? <laughs> I, was, I want to give him like a tragic backstory, but I shouldn't. <laughs> um, where he like gave someone a hug too tight and they died. Oh my <laughs> That's God. why he's called Squeeze. But no, no, Squeeze is a lovely person. He, oh, he's so strong. Squeeze is like so strong. He is like unbelievable. Like John Cena level. All of his shirts rip because he's so physically just so strong. And he can get the sap out of the trees just by squeezing them. Everyone else, oh, you know, has to have an apparatus okay. to get it out. Yeah, everyone squeeze. else is like tapping the trees. He just squeezes it and it just like explodes out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. I love Squeeze so much. He's so strong. Last question is two parts. At the end of every episode, the, uh, the guest asks a question for the next guest to answer. So you can ask mm. anything about the world you want to know and the following guest will answer. Last episode, Abby, who's also in our home game, asked you this question. My question is, what is the general opinion of the Twilight Assembly? And is there any major interest in replacing it with something new? Or do people generally want to keep it the way that it is? So the Twilight Assembly is like the United Nations of the world. It is the keeper of peace. It has generally been fairly successful at doing this. There are no like other than the War of the Mad Kings, which is kind of talked about in season one of the 20-sided podcast. There hasn't been wars in general. The only two nations that aren't members of the Twilight Assembly are the Orcs of Vena, who are very much left to their own devices, and the Dreg Empire, which is a group of individuals that live in this like wandering miasma poisonous cloud. So what do you think? Are people generally happy with the Twilight Assembly or is there a growing call to maybe find a different means of governance? That's a good question. But you're saying people generally up till now have seemed content with the Twilight Assembly? Up till now, it has been a it has been a successful coalition of nations, essentially, in the fact that there have not been many wars or like major conflicts since it has been established. Okay. This is largely done through like if two member states start fighting, they immediately like blockade trade, they like blockade the area. They essentially like quarantine any area that is starting to rebel and then wait for that like pressure to make them stop like whatever aggression is happening. Okay. So it has been successful, but it is also a form of tyranny in a sense, even though there are like member nations in that if you decide to rebel against this group, you are excommunicated. You are like quarantined. You're cut off from the world. And is that what happened to the orcs of Vena and those living in the wandering miasma? No, they just haven't. They aren't like signatory nations. Um, okay. The Dreg empire is very much like unwanted land. Like there's this wandering cloud of poisonous gas that is like, you can't really live in it. Right. But we live in New York. Hey, hey, there we go. Come on. Uh, yeah. LA too. And then the orcs of Vena train like the greatest warriors and are, are also in a very undesirable land, like in the middle of the desert, but also right. because they train like the best warriors, no one fucks with them and they don't fuck with anybody. Like they, right. they kind of give warriors to, Anybody who can pay, essentially. Right. Um, so they're kind of just seen as a, they are like a true neutral party, whereas the Dreg Empire is just so removed that they're difficult to control. Okay. I mean, I'm leaning towards people are not satisfied. Something's wrong with the Twilight Assembly. Because what's the alternative? No, it's all good. Like, I want some drama. And I think, do I need to outline what that drama is? 
trying to because there is some drama that happens at the end of season one of 20 sided podcast, which I don't I, I guess I'll just say spoilers ahead. Click ahead two minutes if you don't want to hear this. At the end of season one, the Kraken escapes and the Twilight Assembly initially tries to kind of hide that information from the world, but it gets out because Blythe's character, uh, Maeve, kind of disseminates that information via like Sami's dot via like via the press. Um, So there could be a bit of discontent growing from that. The idea of this being like a necessary deception or it could be from something else. I kind of like that where it's like. Once you find out they lied about that, what else have they lied about? There start to be these sneaking suspicions about how they function and how their sterile kind of front-facing position isn't necessarily what's actually going on behind the scenes. Um, so I'm going to say, yeah, there's some drama and the people are starting to distrust the Twilight Assembly. So I guess just to expand on it a little bit, just because I want to give you some, like, f- some fun to answer with here. Okay. What area of the world is this discontent because it always starts with one. There's always one domino that kind of starts kicking things off. Yeah. Who is speaking against them the most? Um, and just to give you kind of like a quick kind of vibe of the world, there's the untethered cities, which are like a, you know, Manhattan high class floating in the skies. There is... Um, Not like them. The, they, they, don't, they have so much money that they're like, we don't give a fuck what the government does. <laughs> they, or, or the UN or whatever. There are the like, the like monks that live in the mountains. Too peaceful. They don't care. Uh, there are the twin ports of Saruya, which are which were like kind of the start of season one. They were the most recently blockaded and have just been readmitted into the the Twilight Assembly. Okay. Uh, there is the Meyerwood Forest. There are the Orcs Ooh. of Venna, and then there are like smaller nations scattered about. But those are kind of the main areas. I mean, how do I not do the Orcs of Venna? That's like where I'm from. Okay, so you think this group of people who have been neutral are starting to, there are rumors within Venna or like rumblings within Venna that there is a dissatisfaction. Does that dissatisfaction, because they like give warriors, they're essentially mercenaries. They give mercenaries to anybody who can pay. Are they now essentially like pulling back their resources from this like United Nations army and only giving them to criminal factions or like smaller factions? I kind of love that. Yeah, I think. okay. so if Venna is basically exporting warriors to deal with things and a lot of them are going towards the Twilight Assembly, their agenda, Mm -hmm. maybe there's whispers getting back to Venna like our warriors aren't being treated correctly or being used for valiant efforts or something like, Okay. when these warriors come back, they're different, you know, PTSD level, like something's not going right with this. And they're hearing rumors about like the bad things that the Twilight Assembly is forcing them to do. So I guess it's on a situation like silence is complicity. They're like, we're no longer neutral. We're taking a stance and we're going to like take down the assembly. Does that make sense within this yeah, world? That makes sense. Uh, okay. It's, it, I think right now we're in the, the germinating seeds area. Like that is just okay. starting to happen. Like probably those like missives have gone out just recently to the Twilight assembly. Like, Hey, we are no longer going to be supplying you with mercenaries or at least no longer supplying you to the degree that we were. Right. And now all of a sudden what was a, a carefully maintained balance of powers is now all of a sudden one person has a lot less weight and that balance is now shifting and it is no longer, we're now in a state of entropy. Great. And isn't, is the grain city within Venna? That is just a uh, nickname for Venna. Right. Oh, right. So Venna is the bricks as they build more and more, the city becomes gray. 
Mm-hmm. I feel like after enough time, they're looking at their city like, well, this is upsetting, <laughs> like, right. right? Like this is, I don't know. I feel like there's someone within the city who's like, this isn't good. Right. This, pace this doesn't increased. feel like we're like, yeah, this, this is too much. The city's too gray. And, and I think it could even be a thing that, that becoming part of the city of Venice is like a holy or like it's a sacred tradition. So like returning a, I guess, Ven- a Venonite of a, a Vene- it'd be a Venetian, I guess. And for like, <laughs> I, whatever, <laughs> yeah. um, returning a warrior of Venice to Venice is like a sacred duty. Like this is the one thing that you have to do. If you hire one of these mercenaries, you have to make sure that they get back. And maybe the twilight assembly has like not necessarily kept at their end of that. And that's kind of getting back to Venna. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. A lot of reasons why they're unhappy, but they are definitely unhappy. So there's a growing distrust forming, probably starting with Maeve's expose and then slowly disseminating into Venna and out into the world. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. Ooh. What is a question you have about the world, big or small, that our next guest will answer? Abby's question was so, like, good. It was such a good, thought-out question, and mine's going to be something so stupid. Well, to be fair, the first question we had from Chinook was, what is this world's equivalent of the Wu-Tang Clan? <laughs> oh my so like it can it can be what is who is an entertainer what is you know this world's harry potter it Ooh. could be what is the best sport i mean it could be anything big or small here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna say what is the number one recording artist in this world and what does a snippet of their most popular song sound like do you want the next guest to sing a snippet of that song yes i do okay i love it I mean, maybe the songs there aren't sung. Maybe it's like spoken word poetry. It's whatever they think it is. So like what, who is the, I, I want to like say the, Who's the Bieber of this world? Who's, who's like, the Bieber of this world and what's their vibe? What's their sound sound like? What do they sound like? I love it. Great. Before we get out of here, anything you want to plug? You want to tell the people where they can find you on social media? I try to stay away from social media because it hurts my brain, but I'm at Twitter at Sage Boggs, S-A-G-E-B-O-G-G-S, if you want to look at some of my old tweets. If you have a minute, I strongly recommend looking at Sage's uh, Trisket expose. You can learn the origin of Trisket as he discovers it. It's fantastic. Oh, yes. Thank you. That's still there. I think it's pinned, so just go to the page and read that if you want to. It's a roller coaster ride. It's absolutely (laughs) worth it. (laughs) Um, I ran out of Triscuits. They sent me a ton of Triscuits, but... I ate all of them because I was locked in a room for a year alone. <laughs> you got to hit them up and be like, listen, I need more Triscuits. I need my fix. Please. Please. Daddy um, needs his medicine. Um, otherwise, yeah, Lo-Fi. We do shows every month at Union Hall. And just come check us out sometime. Look us up. Lo-Fi NYC. Hell yeah. I'll add a link in the comments to both Sage's Twitter and to Lo-Fi. But for now... To steal a line from Walter Cronkite, that's the way it is, ladies and gentlemen. That is all for this episode of Cannon Fodder. We have loaded up the cannon, fired it directly into the Fractured Realms. If you want to see all of today's world building put into action, check out our parent show, The 20-Sided Podcast. Season 2 will be premiering soon. Check us out in the coming weeks. All 11 episodes of our first season titled Escape from the RMS Titanfall are available now on all the podcast services you can imagine. If you're listening to this podcast right now, you can probably find it on the very podcast app you're using right now. So please check it out. It's a lot of fun. But for now, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.